Good morning. Today is going to be a fun day. Well, for me. For you, it's going to be a little bit tougher. Now, if you can pretend that uh, today is a potluck day, okay? Pretend you're in the gold building right now, sitting at your table, and you're sitting at your table. And there is one person going to the buffet and picking out a plate for you, and that is me. I get to pick out your five favorite food groups. And I will give you a little bit of the five favorite things that are there, and I will give you maybe one of them a little bit more than the other. And I may not pick your favorite to spend time on. I may skip it and just give you a little piece, a little off the spoon. But everybody's going to get a favorite today. But I cannot promise you that I will put extra amount on your plate of, the, of your favorite word we're going to study. You remember we went through uh, 10 greatest words in the book of Romans? Today we're going to do five greatest words in three verses. Uh, and at least one of these words will be your favorite. And you will wish that Pastor David spends more time on your favorite word. And we may not do that because there are five of them. And they're all favorite words and we will not be able to give them all the time they need. We will try. But I definitely will not make everyone happy when you leave. You ready? Are you ready? Okay, here we go. We're going to pick the five words, and you're going to get to look and choose the one you want me to spend the most time on. <laughs> now, we've been covering the book of Romans. We've been covering chapter 1. We've been talking about last week about spiritual help that you get from the Word of God. You can get some spiritual help and you get some spiritual strength and that you even get to the point where you praise God for the delays God brings into your life but today we're going to have a potluck of key important sweet words here we go verse 14 I am under obligation both to the Greek and the barbarian, to the slave, both to the wise and the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For it is the righteousness of God that is revealed, revealed from faith to faith, and it's written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Did you see the five key words? Now, 
most of these five key words haven't been mentioned before in the book of Romans. And he throws them all in right here. And many of you may think that your key word that you like is a theme for the entire rest of the book. And that's quite possible. But you're going to have to pick one, two, three, four, maybe five key words we have in this passage. And how important it is to your spiritual well-being. You ready? Here we go. I'm bringing you your plate. Verse 14. I am under obligation both to the Greek, to the barbarian, both to the wise and the foolish. Here, what we have in these verses is really a mission statement. A guideline of God's purpose in this world. A mission statement, really, which is for our church. These five things we're going to look at need to be things that we are actively doing each and every Sunday, and then the members do each and every day of your life. First, number one, what is the mission statement that God has for Cumberland Bible Church? Number one, focus on God's target. Focus on God's target. Notice he gives a description here in verse 14 of four groups of people. First, he begins with the Greeks. The Greeks in, those, in that day and age were those that had all the good things of life. They're the ones that have been blessed with the good things. They're the ones who need to hear the gospel message. The barbarians, those are the ones that did not possess the Greek culture. They were not part of the Greek culture. Matter of fact, if you were a slave, they called you a barbarian. So it's talking about those that do not have the gospel message and do not have the culture and need the gospel message. The Greek needs the gospel message. The barbarian needs the gospel message. And now the wise, the wise, those who understand worldly wisdom, those who think about God and godly things, they need the gospel message. Then there's the foolish, the foolish, those that the wise look down upon and say they're, say, say they're ignorant. Those who do not understand worldly wisdom, those who don't think about God, they need the gospel message. God's target is for everyone. We as our church need to be focused on everyone. Our mission field is everyone that's outside the church that does not attend here. We want everyone to attend and come to our church. We want to invite everyone, whether they're upper, upper middle income, whether they're lower middle income, whether they are smart and think about religious things and understand, or if they're dumb and don't understand anything about God. We want all of them to come. They're the target. Now, you'll notice on your insert that underneath 
number one, you have point number six. Point number six is six, not one. Point two is on the next page. Turn to point two. We'll come back to point six later. Verse 15. So that my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. What is the mission statement for God that God has for Cumberland Bible Church? The second thing God wants us to focus on is God's work. God's work. So for my part, in other words, Paul desires to share the gospel message just like he's done in Antioch, just like he did in Ephesus, just like he does in Athens, just like he does in Corinth. He wants to share the gospel in Rome. He's eager to share. He's eager. He has a zeal. He has a passion to share the gospel message. He wants to go and visit them and share with them a spiritual gift he has for them. He wants to preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. He wants to verbally share the gospel message. He wants to preach the good news. He wants to give them the message of the good news. And that's an interesting Greek word. We find it a number of times in Scripture. We find it 54 times in the New Testament. 54 times in the New Testament. We find it three times in the book of Romans. Here, chapter 10 and chapter 15. Preaching is an obligation to tell people the good news of salvation and we do it eagerly, with zeal. And he uses a very interesting tense, an aorist tense, which seems to talk about a point in time, which seems to talk about the whole aspect of teaching the gospel. So everything involved with sharing the gospel probably would include discipleship, would include mentoring, would include everything involved in discipleship and in salvation and evangelism. He's summing up everything in proclaiming the good news. He wants to strengthen and edify everyone and all of those in Rome. He wants to share the message with them. This is also our target. We want to reach everyone in our community with the good news. We want to do it by verbally sharing the gospel. Now, I hear every once in a while that people claim to share the gospel message by my actions or my character. And I would agree with that, as long as you're doing it verbally as well. You have to do the whole package. You have to preach the word. You have to share the word. You have to live the word. But one or the other is not preaching the gospel. We have to do both. We as a church want to preach the gospel. Now, most of the time we do not do that on Sunday mornings. Now, there will be times where the passage talks about the gospel and therefore we'll preach the gospel on Sunday morning. But usually when we preach the gospel is Monday through Saturday. Monday through Saturday is when we get to preach the gospel. And we want to be focused on God's work of preaching the gospel. 
If you wake up tomorrow, the reason you wake up tomorrow is to preach the gospel. That's the purpose God, Christ gives us for living. God gives us. He supports us and wants us to share the good news. Verbally and with your actions. Here we go. Third. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. Power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What is the mission statement that God wants for Cumberland Bible Church? Number three, God wants us to focus on God's power. God wants us to focus on God's power. God's power, the power alone to sufficiently save a person from being a slave to sin to being a slave of righteousness. This power is talked about a great number of times in the New Testament, 119 times we have power mentioned in the New Testament. Eight times in the book of Romans, chapter 1, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 15, all talking about the power of God. Faith is what activates the power of God. Faith allows the power of God to change our lives. The term power is the first word in this phrase for emphasis that God's power is key. You have to have God's power. God's power is directly connected to gospel message. You, when you share the gospel message, you are sharing the power of God. You are not sharing something that's weak. You are sharing something powerful. And by you just repeating what the Bible says can unlock the power that God has, that God wants the world to know. Love is the strongest power, it's been said. And God's love in Christ is the greatest love of all. But the love of God is seen through the gospel message and therefore, the power of God then flows through the love of God and the gospel message and has a powerful impact on people. A pastor once said, the power of God is such a force as to elevate men from sin to righteousness, from death to life, from hell to heaven, from the kingdom of the devil to the kingdom of God, and gives us eternal life. That's pretty good. The power of God moves you from these states of sin and imprisonment and hell and gets you to a place to where you are a child of God <laughs> and dwelling of the Holy Spirit, the temple of God, a co-heir with Christ, a member of eternal life. And it all comes by the power of God. I want you to notice that Paul does not say the gospel brings power. But what he says is the power is the gospel message. The power is the gospel message. 
And what we see sometimes in churches nowadays is that they're watering down the gospel message. And when you water down the gospel message, what you're doing, you're weakening the power of the gospel. And you have to get to some point where you've made it so weak that it can't save anyone. And what we have to do is we preach the full gospel message. And that contains the whole power of God. The gospel message is the power by which all obstacles of man's redemption are taken away and you can be saved. We preach the gospel. We bring others in contact with that power. And that's what we want to do. We want every sinner to be in contact with the power of God. We do it through the gospel message and people are saved. Here we go. Fourth, what is the mission statement that God has for Cumberland Bible Church? I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. For salvation. The fourth thing is that we are to be focused on God's salvation. God's salvation. We are focusing on the work of God moving somebody from unhealthy to healthy. Uh, the word salvation comes from the, the Latin term <laughs> healthy. We want you to be healthy. In relationship to God, we want you to be healthy. We want you to be saved. The way you're saved is by having the power of God work in your life. How does that work? By the gospel message. The gospel message works in your life. You have the power of God working in you. And then God changes you with his power. The noun occurs 46 times in the New Testament, 18 times by Paul in his letters, five times in the book of Romans. It means to complete deliverance from sin and death and all the foes and dangers that attack sinners. God's salvation rescues people from the ultimate penalty of sin, which is spiritual death and torment and eternal separation from God the Father. Salvation has three parts to it. Let me give you all three. I have been saved. I am being saved. And I will be saved. And each one of those we're involved with. And what happens is the salvation occurs to everyone who believes. You have to believe. Pastuo. 241 times Pastuo is in the New Testament. 21 times in the book of Romans. You have to believe. Belief is trusting or relying on God's power to work through the gospel to produce reconciliation. You want it to work, present tense. It continues to work. You're being saved. You are believing. You will believe. And you are saved. Fifth, what is the mission statement for Cumberland Bible Church? Verse 17. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. What is the fifth thing God wants us to focus on as a church? We focus on God's righteousness. God's righteousness. For this reason, some people think that for there is talking about the rest of the book of Romans. For the righteousness of God, explaining the righteousness of God for the rest of the book. 
For this reason, the righteousness of God is the first word in the Greek verse here. It's the first thing to be emphasized. It's found eight times in the book of Romans. Chapter 1, chapter 10, all through chapter 1. Righteousness is found in the gospel where the believers declared righteous by the power of God for salvation. And you are brought into a place of being saved. Now, I don't quote Plato too often. Here we go. Plato, in his fourth book of laws, he said something very interesting. And he says something that has biblical support for it. He said that God holds in his hands the beginning, the middle, and the end of all things. That justice always follows him and punishes those who fall short of his laws. Now, in a way, that's true. Because of God's righteousness, it's by his righteousness that we are judged. And a sinner is declared unrighteous. So what we have here is the righteousness of God. God's righteousness is the righteousness which we saw through the life of Jesus Christ, which secured through his obedience and death. The righteousness of God received by faith makes it possible for us to live morally right lives. God's righteousness is not a system of laws or ethics, but it's the character revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. The gospel message is the source of righteousness. So, these five things are a good measure of how our church is doing. We have these five things which we're to focus on. Now the question is, what grade would you give our church? And wait before you start grading. Because what you have to grade is each of us as an individual, are we focusing on the things God wants us to focus on? Because we are the church. Now, do you, are you focused on God's target? Are you focused on God's work, preaching? Are you focused on God's power? gospel message? Are you focused on God's salvation? Are you focused on God's righteousness? I think when we measure ourselves, it's a hard test to take. But we have to. What we want to be doing is what we want to be doing what God wants us to do. Do you love him with all your heart? Okay, let me help you out. Remember, number six goes under number one. Turn back to number one. Because we got to do number six. Now, number six will help you take your test. Because it will be 
supported in the verses that we will see if we are doing what we're supposed to be doing. First thing we're supposed to focus on is God's work, correct? Now, God's target. Here we go. God's target. Verse 14. I am under obligation both to the Greek barbarians, the wise, and the foolish. What's the mission statement that God has for Cumberland Bible Church? Or I probably could say, what's God's evaluation of me? Number six. Believers are to act like they are repaying a debt. Now, the act like we're repaying a debt. Now, the word act there is talking about an action. It's not talking about being hypocritical and showing or displaying something. It is actually doing something. Okay? So I don't want you to get misconfused there with the word act. Believers are to act like they're repaying a debt. Notice the word obligation. Obligation, present tense, active, talking about you having an obligation. An obligation literally is to be a debtor. To literally be a debtor. That you are in debt to someone. And I do not think you're in debt to God. I think in the context, your debt is to the non-believers that you meet. The non-believers you meet. The non-believer you meet, you have a debt to him, and your debt is to share with him the gospel message. Now, do we do that? Do we share the gospel message with the people God brings into our life to make sure they know Jesus Christ? We are given a debt. When are we given that debt? When you experience the grace of God and you are saved. From that point on, you have a debt to share with others. And you will share them and be obedient to God's target. Or you will not share and you will be disobedient to God's target. Therefore, you will not be fulfilling God's mission statement for the church. And you will have to give us a low grade on this part of the test. You and I are obligated to share the gospel. Not with somebody in Texas, but somebody we're going to meet tomorrow. That person you have an obligation to share. Second, or seventh, <laughs> verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. What's the mission statement that God has for me? Believers are to act like they are proud of the gospel message. We're to act like we're proud of the gospel message. We're not to be ashamed, present tense, every day. We are to be proud of the gospel message. We're not to be ashamed of it. Paul here is saying he's proud of the gospel message. Unashamed boldness. Paul is truly proud of the gospel message and he's constant, con consciously trying to share the gospel message with everyone. 
he tries to share the gospel message. Pastor went to a youth rally and spoke at a youth rally, and the wife of the rally director came up to him expressing an unbiblical mentality. Listen to what she said. She said, your message offended me. Your message offended me because you preached as if all these young people were sinners. You preached as if all these young people were sinners. The pastor replied, I'm glad it came across that way because that's exactly the message I wanted to communicate. Sometimes you have to be communicating the gospel message clearly and act like you're proud of it. That, yes, people are sinners, and yes, there is one solution to that problem, and it's through Jesus Christ. You are to be proud about the gospel message. Third, or ninth. Ninth. What is, eighth. Whatever number I'm on. Okay? Verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. To the Jew and the Greek. What's going on here, number eight, is that believers are to act like they have the most powerful message in the world. The most powerful message in the world. And you have that message it's called the gospel message. It's the most nuclear bomb in the world. It is powerful because of the Holy Spirit. It's powerful. Write down 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. Chapter 1, verse 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. It says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power in the Holy Spirit with full conviction just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. It comes with power. Whenever you share the gospel, you're sharing power. Kind of got to step back and watch the power work. The power of God works through the gospel message. It doesn't come in word only. You got to hear it through the words, but that word comes with power. Power. The power of the Holy Spirit making us a witness to the gospel message. The power of the Holy Spirit working through our words. Power that can break down resistance. Power that can pierce a heart. Power through the Holy Spirit connected to everything you do that's powerful. The Holy Spirit is connected. The power has a divine source and can't be corrupted. And it comes and gives conviction upon the person that hears. They may give you some kind of response, but that gospel message affects them and will stay with them. That power touches their life. Believers act like they have the most powerful message in the world, and you do. Nine. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Nine. What's the mission statement here? The believers are to act like they have the solution to every problem in the world. The Jew first was a religious person. Nowadays, I think the religious person is almost harder to witness to. The Greek was a non-religious person. And either type of person, they have problems in how they're trying to relate to God. And you have the answer to that. 
you have the solution to every problem in their life. And it's found in the gospel. The gospel will fix every problem they have. And the things maybe they think are problems really aren't. And they're real problems they don't think are a problem. But the Bible solves their real problem. Uh, Not having a proper relationship with the God that created the universe. They will find the solution through the gospel message. And you have that powerful message to share to them. And you can change. (laughs) You can watch their life change by God's power working in their life. Here we go, 10. What is the mission statement for Cumberland Bible Church? Verse 17. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. Faith to faith. Number 10. Believers are to act like they're displaying God's righteousness by living faith. Believers are to act like they're displaying God's righteousness by living faith. They show and demonstrate God's righteousness by you living by faith. By you living by faith. It's revealed. The verb there, present tense, passive. It's revealed passively. The gospel each day reveals the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is revealed, and God is the one who reveals His righteousness through the life that you live by faith. The means of righteousness is faith. How you see or show righteousness is by faith. It's by your trust in the Word of God. It's your growing faith in God. It is faith to faith. It's literally away from faith and in reference to faith. Faith occurs 243 times in the New Testament. The Greek noun, pistis, occurs 40 times in the book of Romans. Faith is the starting point, and faith is the goal. The good news of the gospel kindles faith. Nothing outside the gospel has the slightest degree of contribution to the production of faith. The gospel is what grows your faith. It's the revelation of God that causes your faith to grow. And your faith demonstrates the righteousness of God and what God does in a person's life. Put it this way. Saving faith of the preached gospel is effective to create saving faith in the heart that produces living faith which reveals God's righteousness. Saving faith moves you to living faith, and living faith produces righteousness. So that God's righteousness is seen in this world through your life, your fruit, your actions. And you have a great impact on others. It's written, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4 says, Behold, As for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. That's a good verse. The righteous will live by his faith. Here you go, application. Will I focus on God's mission for my church and my life? God's mission for my church and my life 
so that the gospel message is eagerly and confidently shared with the non-believers that I know that God brings into my life. That is my goal. And nowadays, you really have to start at the beginning with non-believers and take it slow. But eventually, you've got to get them to the place where they understand the gospel and either receive it or reject it. The focus on God's mission for my church and my life so that the gospel message is eagerly and confidently shared with non-believers I know. This comes from God's mission for our church. The question is, how are we doing? The question is, how are you doing? Do you see God's target? Do you see God's work? (laughs) Do you see the mission that God's given us? Are you sharing the gospel message? Are you demonstrating righteousness? Are you looking at people and say they need Jesus Christ? Can I share with them the weight of salvation? We have to all do our job. If we don't fulfill the mission statement of God, there are other things we can do on a Sunday morning. Hmm. But Sunday mornings are to encourage us, feed us, grow us, so that we can do the mission Monday through Saturday. How are you doing? Father, I thank you for this time in your word. I pray, Father, that you would minister your word to each person that needs to hear and convict in the way you need to convict. I pray, Father, that you would mold me, shake me into the person that you want me to be so that my faith, Father, displays your righteousness, so your gospel message from my mouth produces your power, that you, Father, are seen, that people believe and put their trust in Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that we all together, meeting on this location, would be unified in knowing the purpose for why we exist as a church. I pray, Father, that as we go through the book of Romans, you will teach us all the facts that we need to know on these key issues, Father, that we will grow, that we will grow together, doing what we need to do as healthy believers, living by faith. Thank you, Father, for this time. All glory goes to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.